computer. All right, so uh, when I started this po uh, this podcast, I almost said podchad because uh, that's what I'm accustomed to doing. My thinking was, well, I know all these cool people from the internet, and you know, like Rav Tzedek did when he decided to get a heter mayor of and use it as an excuse to go around and uh, beat all these cool people and uh, challenge them to learning duels. Uh, go around and all the cool people I know from the internet actually talk to them. I did not foresee actually beating somebody on the internet because we started talking about Rav Hudner and then them coming on a, on the podcast. But that has happened. Uh, and I, uh, I basically started because I saw Abidan Halivni, uh, who is here today, commenting on a Pachat Yitzchak thing. And I sometimes when I have coffee and I have my Vivance, I feel especially bold. And I was like, okay, so uh, I think something uh, Rav Hudner wrote reminds me of something your grandfather wrote. And instead of going stop mentioning my grandfather i have my own personality he was like yeah that's that's interesting and we started talking and then we scheduled this pod, uh this podcast 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 yeah okay uh so uh i'm getting to know him as you are unless you already know him uh in which case you know him anyway uh with that very contrived introduction uh Avidan, take it away <laughs> Thanks, Akiva. Really, really pleased to be here. Big fan, big fan of the pod, um, especially okay. since uh, my friends and teachers have have been on it. Um, and I'm pleased to make a new friend through the worlds of Internet Torah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and at one point, at some point, we're going to have somebody whose name does not start with A. Uh, we're going to get there yes. eventually. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, all right. And uh, what do you do? Um, so I work on a project called the Jewish Learning Collaborative, um, okay. which is a new experiment about um, Jewish learning for staff and board um, at Jewish organizations across North America and around the world, matching up staff and board to one-on-one Chavruta-style -on -one uh, experiences as sort of like a work perk. I don't know about this. That sounds really cool. You should. We should talk about this afterwards. Or unless you want to make like a full pitch at the end of this, we'll we'll do uh, a we'll do a full pitch at the end. But that's that does the, sound cool. Uh, that, that's the day job. I have not been paid for this, <laughs> but if you want, okay. Now, uh, and which uh, mom are are you interested? Are do you want to do today? Uh, we're gonna do Pesach Nun Bet. Okay, uh, I happen to know this one too, and it's a good one. And it has some ideas that are really interesting to play with. And I'm excited to see what you have to say about it. And I'm excited for our listeners, uh, all uh, 12 of them, uh, no, uh, to uh, to hear what uh, the conversation that ensues. Uh, okay, so uh, how, how do you want to start? Um, I think with some... Um sort of like contextualizations, first of my own story um, with the Pachad Yitzchak and then um, with this Torah in particular. Um, so um, the first connection is, I think, to my grandfather, um, who that was the first first way I did hear about the Pachad Yitzchak and Rav Hutner as a character, okay. um, because my grandfather himself studied um, at Chaim Berlin. That was the place when he came um, as an orphan to the States. Just parenthetically, uh, uh, we, I don't, we've said your grandfather a bunch of times. I don't think <laughs> some someone is out there going, not having made that connection uh, or whatever. Uh, your grandfather is who? Uh, Professor David Weiss Halivni. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> You could, I would explain who he is, but you could Google. Uh, <laughs> it's no easier. Although my, my my cousins and I, my sisters and I sort of troll each other on his Wikipedia page. So take <laughs> whatever whatever you find there. That um, is that is good shenanigans. It's, oh, ex man. it's excellent shenanigans. Um, so anyway, so so he, when he came to the States as an orphan, um, he um, he went to Chaim Berlin um, to, to learn there and live there um, while he was doing high school and college. Um, at once, kind of. Um, and the reason he went there is they were more open to secular studies. I mean, that that was important to him. And he sort of relates that that was important to him. Um, that's why he didn't go to YU. Um, 
And actually, there's a funny story of how when he interviewed to be a student at YU, they actually introduced him to the class as an Ngarasher, which was a little derogatory. He thought that it was a derogatory term. Sigit, where he's from, is more of a Glitzianer town. It's um, uh, part of this phenomenon I've observed that every Jewish community in Europe looks down on the people to the east of them. Uh, <laughs> I once met a Hungarian who was like, you know, I was I was set up with my wife, but I was looked down on her because uh, Nebuch, she's an us student from Russia. It was like, you know what they say about you? Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So so he didn't go to YU and he went to Chaim Berlin instead. And as the story goes, when he told Rav Hutner about that introduction, Rav Hutner said, no, didn't Sipora introduce Moshe to her father-in-law as a Mitzri? Though so, he is faulted by that in the men, yeah. uh, by for not correcting them, but uh, I just he told full disclosure he told me that story before this pod, uh, podcast started, uh, but uh, I didn't think oh whatever this is. Anyways, that that's that's the story. That's the story. You know, Bishem Omro, yeah. that, um, that that's that's in the memoir. Um, but anyways, but the, but they didn't really keep up much of the connection after he left. Although he was at uh, he was at my grandparents' wedding. Um, but but beyond sort of the, my the, grandparents' wedding too, that's a longer story. Um, well, and and well, in that context, right? So the, all the problematic characteristics of of Rav Hudner himself that have been mentioned on this podcast in earlier episodes that he, my grandfather doesn't report in the book, but um, <laughs> So at the very least, so that was my first sort of in in the background of of who Rav Hudner was. Um, but really, I'd say my own connection um, is um, um, from a few of the places that I have learned myself. Um, and that I have to give the first shout out to Ari Bernstein of the previous episode, um, who mentioned, um, you know, so I'm I'm like that second generation in the liberal halachic ego Torah world um, that really just knew of the Pachav Yitzchak as like a legit source of Torah. Um, I learned in Malagivoa, so I heard I heard about this from Rav Bigman, but my earliest baby Josh experience was actually at the Northwoods Kolel at Camp Ramon, Wisconsin. Um, that was like my earliest camper years coincided with the last few years of that Northwoods Kolel. We didn't do Pachad Yitzchak, but I guess I do have Aryeh and Joshua Kahan to thank initially for my love of Torah, and I guess eventually um, my return to um, to the Pachad Yitzchak. <laughs> I, I planned it specifically that way. <laughs> you know how much planning goes into this. Uh, exactly. No. <laughs> um, two more shout outs. One to Abigail Halpern, also a friend and teacher of mine who's been doing this, uh, teaching Pachad Yitzchak for a while now and taking it to some really important places around Another distinguished guest. And care work and all those things. Um, and to uh, Adam Chanis, who has been my own chavruta for Pachad Yitzchak. Um, he and I started learning together during the pandemic, and it really was sustaining um, in those in those dark days. Yeah, I could, yeah, that would that would be good. Um, right. and, and so, yeah, so my interest with, in Rav Futner started around the same time as my interest in Rav Shagar, um, just as, as someone who thinks playfully and symbolically around characters and language and intentional misreadings, a deep awareness of the Western world, even if even as it's, you know, couched firmly in in traditional imagery and language. Yeah. Um, something about, you know, this like postmodern style that really flattens the whole textual canon, that it's all capital T text. Yeah. And you can sort of play as you want. I like I, I, I relate to that. I, I figured out recently that when I was deciding what my music taste would be as a teenager, uh, that, uh, you know, I figured out that like rock music is the thing that everybody likes. And then the essentials of rock music are like blues. So you're going to like blues. That's the safest thing. Uh, but you'd like the things that also play with the blues. Uh, then uh, I realize now that what I was doing was being modern orthodox in my music taste. Nice. Uh, and so the white stripes, the height of modern orthodoxy. Uh, so the playfulness with the things that already exist uh, is also things that I appreciate. That was like tenuously related, but whatever. It's a funny thing to say. Uh, yeah, so go ahead. Totally. Totally. So in just by way of of, of introduction overview to what I, I think excites me about, about this Torah, um, really is um, the way um, literature and life parallel each other. Yeah. And Torah as literature and as sort of like our sacred literature, 
but like how the episodes and characters and relationships of Torah in its broadest sense are actually fundamental to understanding our own lives. Very much sort of like art imitates life um, yeah. and Torah as like superstructure um, for, yeah. for like the way we understand our own existence. Yeah, I, I I know where it's going, and that is a good way of putting it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so just a couple of things that I think are also relevant about this piece as it relates to Rav Hutner, broadly speaking, and I am by no means a Bucky in 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 the Pachad Yitzchak. Um, but firstly, the Maharal is going to figure quite prominently. Um, um, in mo- some ex- sometimes explicitly referenced, other times, um, not so. Mm-hmm. Um, and um. Also, stylistically, right, we're, we're going to get psukim from Torah, from Navis, the various sugyot from the Talmud, from Midrash, reading characters across space and time as linked. That feels to me very yeah. characteristic. He quotes his own sources, right? Yeah. Um, and there was, there was even relates, a reference in, in the Ari Clapper episode. Bit. Sorry. Yeah, go for it. Uh, it relates a little bit to, uh, like, my theory of he had ideas written out beforehand that he decided to, you know, express in pieces in Mamarot, uh, Mamarot. Totally. Yeah. Uh, sorry for interrupting there. Totally. No, I was just going to say, so because th- in, in the early, an early episode, uh, again, big fan of the pod in the, in the Rivari Clapper episode, there was even a reference to one of the key concepts of this, of this, uh, this Torah, but from a different yeah. Torah. Um, yeah. so these things think, do sort of sprinkle in the canon. <laughs> yeah. I think I may have mentioned it in the podcast. Uh, or even the conversation afterwards. I remember mentioning this particular one. Uh, enough foreshadowing. It was there. It was there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, great. And so the last two pieces, one, I think are just a few key terms that are going to come up a lot. And we can try and define them now and we'll undefine and redefine as, as we yeah. get through. Um, so the first one is olam. <laughs> what, what, is, what is the olam? <laughs> um, and so like, I think... The way I was thinking about this is when he refers to Olam here, it, it's the world, but it's really like a dimension. <laughs> like this, we're, I think we're, we're going to talk about dimensions a lot. I have my own translation of what he means here. I'll reveal that when I do. Uh, we're, yeah, we're in agreement mostly, but uh, there's like fan culture actually, I think has the key to understanding this, but good. go on. Good, good, yeah. good. So, right, so olam is a term that's going to pop up a lot. Panim um, is another term. Um, and especially in the, in the phrase panim shel pshat, panim shel drash. Yeah. Um, so I would never try and define pshat and drash <laughs> ever. Um, I, but... I do for my class, but uh, you know, whatever. Um, we'll, 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 we'll get to that. But panim, so my I, I'll venture that panim is like, an element or a manifestation, a manifestation of pshat, a manifestation of drash. So we'll we'll hold that. Um, and then um, at least at the beginning, this phrase mikzoachol or mikzoach kodesh. Um, and this I feel the least confident in. Um, but I feel like it's sort of like a domain or a mode. Um, and yeah. that's mikzoach and chol is like mundane things basic things regular things as opposed to kodesh which is like the sacred things the real things the foundational stuff looking to see if i defined it in my notes uh because that's how i got into that's how i got good at reading pocket gets like i just sat there with a dictionary and yeah. like went through it and then uh eventually you pick it up but yeah great so so that's so those are like i would say just like some basic terminology not basic you know uh, the whatever, terms but... <laughs> that he the terms that are crucial to understanding what he's about to do great exactly okay. so it's a long it's a long mamar we'll try and keep moving um and the last thing i'll say is what i what i like specifically about this uh this torah for this time of year um where we find ourselves between purim and pesach is this torah i think is about the re- relationship between the hidden and the revealed right the nigla yeah. and the nistar and that I think symbolically is where Purim and Pesach uh, meet. So as we find ourselves sort of like sort of like, like in this in this in this interim period where we're transitioning from like from the Nigla into the uh, from the Nistar into the Nigla. Ah, that's uh-huh. interesting, and that's very Rafutner. 
Yeah, because that's how he defines what Purim is and how he defines what Pesach is. Yeah, that's interesting. Totally. Hold, let's hold on to that. So the the, the timing is not an accident. Okay. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Into 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 Torah Nunbet. He opens he opens with sort of like a prologue here, right? So just just uh, one like a, an image that we're gonna like open with and then put down and come back to it, um, which is um, there are a few places where the word Yaakov is written in full. It's written Malé, and the word mm -hmm. Eliyahu is written Chaser. Um, without uh, where Yaakov has a vav in between the kuf and the vet. And Eliyahu does not have a vav at the end. Yeah. Um, and so this this comes from a, a, a Rashi um, on after the Tochacha in Bechukotai, um, that um, that Pasuk, um, which is in, in Vayikra Kafvav, um, has the unusual spelling of the name Yaakov with five letters with the vav, as opposed to the usual four. Um, and that Eliyahu in a few other places doesn't have it. So Rashi explains that uh, the comment there so is that Yaakov took a letter um, from Eliyahu as an arevon, as a security pledge, as collateral to guarantee that Eliyahu will come back um, and announce and announce the redemption. Like I remember learning that when I was about bar mitzvah, like around bar mitzvah age, around thirteen, and just being I didn't have the terms for this at the time, but just being struck at like the literary quality of that, of like. <laughs> It, you're imagining a scene between two people who never met each other and imagining them in a, you know, transaction of like literally the redemption of the world, uh, like all these things mixed together. And like, I was so gratified when I read this mom to see somebody do something with it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and then, so, but Rashi doesn't quote which Sukim. So actually you have to look at the Gur Aryeh, which is Maharal's sort of super commentary on the Rashi. And so he spells it out. Um, and um, one of those Sukim um, is um, the Pasuk, which is the last Pasuk in Malachi. Um, so, but that, the Pachad Yitzchak doesn't mention that, but but we should keep that in mind because that Pasuk is going to come, is going to come back later. We'll get back to that later. Yep. Um, so that, so that's our opening, our opening image. And um, we are left to figure out or to, to sort of speculate what, what is this relationship between Yaakov and Eliyahu? Um, that, it's um, it's yeah. such a weird image and such a weird way of like, what does it mean? So let's get into it, right? Exactly, exactly. So now, but now here's the here's where it really gets going. So um, the Pachar Yitzchak then introduces this idea um, familiar to many of us um, that the Torah itself has multiple panim. Again, this word panim um, that we are familiar with from the acronym Pardes, um, which stands for Pshat, Remez, Drash, and Sod, um, as ways of interpreting Torah. Right, that that we have we have we have this text of the Torah, um, and we are able to interpret it through these four mechanisms, four modalities. Um, and um, what he says in the name of the Maharal um, is that you are able actually to interpret your life by those same four mechanisms. Yeah, yeah and you can even apply this psychologically, as uh, like. I've seen an explanation of Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky on uh, where he says that, uh, you know, Chazal say that B'nai Yisrael wanted, uh, B'nai Yisrael, when they were asking for onions and leeks and garlic in the desert, they were really asking for all the forbidden sexual relationships. And Rav mm. Yaakov's like, where'd you get that from? Uh, and like, there's a pardes of, uh, you know, human reality. And then there were like, dark forces underneath that were expressed in that desire. And I basically wrote a paper that was like, uh, he clearly read Freud. Come on. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, so right. So these, so these ways, like this is a way of, you know, in the, in the same, in the same way that we can use these four technologies even um, to understand, to understand uh, a piece of Torah, like in on, in, a, in the literary sense, right? We can actually also interpret our own lives 
with these yeah. within these four in these four manners as well. So he then he then introduces um what's what's gonna end up being a straw man, which is in this chol in miktsoa hachol, right? In this sort of like when you talk when you're talking about sort of like regular things, right? Sort of just the world, but sort of like not nothing. Not, I, I, again, I'm speculating here, but nothing too, too uh, meaningful, maybe. Okay. Um, um, actually, um, the, it all refers to the same truth, to the, the, the same message. Whether it comes to you, whether you use sort of like that shot mode of understanding to understand it, or derechasod, in some sort of secretive mystical way to understand it, it actually is still about the same fundamental reality. Meaning to offer an example, right? It's like, you know, a friend could tell you something explicitly where you say yourself, right? Sort of like in a shot way of thinking about things versus you're, you're in meditation or in, 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 in retrospection or in a bird song or something. And it comes to you that way. It actually still all refers to the same truth, whatever, whatever the, 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 the content of that message is. Um, yeah, it reveals the same thing. So that is the Havamina that we're going with, or is that where he uh, corrects the our mistaken assumption? Say, say, what do you mean? Uh, you said that he's going to set something up to knock it down. Is this the ah, exactly. setting up, well, or is it the so knock this, it down? This is the setting up. This is the setting okay. up of this world of Chol. <laughs> okay. Um. Um. Yeah, because that's not what's what's true in Chol is not going to be true when you sort of incorporate Kodesh. Um, that's that's at least sort of the okay. where he's where he's going next. Um, but just to say again, right? There's no difference between like the surface understanding of things and the secret understanding of things, besides for the channel by which it arrives uh, to your ear. Right? Though he uses the phrase Hagat Haozen, Hagat Laozen. Right. So there are different ways. A statement could be understood on four different levels, and it's still the same statement, but it may have different language or may have different ways of expression. That's what he's setting up here as like the domino he's going to knock down. Yeah. Okay. Now, knock it down. (laughs) Um, Okay, so to knock it down, I actually think um, I want to read read some some of the Hebrew. um, um, Because... This this is this is what happens when you when you when we when we take into the consideration the world of Torah the world of Kodesh um, this Miktzah Kodesh, um, and um, he says it like this: V'chol panim b'Torah megalim hem et panim asher l'umatam ba'olamot. So every every sort of element of Torah has a referent in the world, world's plural, because um, in the world of Torah, um, it's not just that there's one world, one olam with four sort of channels to it. There Mm -hmm. are actually four distinct dimensions, olamot again, um, that exist simultaneously and in parallel, one of each pshat world, remez world, drash world, and sod world. The, the way I read this when I first read it, I defined Olam as universe, as Great. Uh, like in a fan sense of, mm-hmm. you know, there's the universe, there's a canon universe, and then there are alternative universes. And those like are dealing with the same characters and stuff, but they have, you know, they go different paths. And this, like, I, I love that. reading this and being fundamentally, uh, this was like fundamental to my understanding of what Drash is. Of like, if different drushas don't make sense with each other, it's because they they are an alternate AU, right? Alternate universe of the uh-huh. same idea, right? Absolutely. I mean, this the the multiversal resonances yeah. of this, I think, is actually one of the most exciting pieces to me about yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So just to spell it out a little further, right? And I'll continue reading again. Umipnechen, mashenit galeb Torah b'panim shel pshat. Which is to say, the things that happen um, in Torah, in this world of Pshat, they correspond 
to a universe, uh, to a pshat universe. Meaning in, in the in the ways that in the ways that Torah itself is is the foundation, that superstructure of our lives, that that shot universe, as you said, right, has has correspondence um, to the world sort of shot world that we inhabit or that other characters yeah. inhabit. Um, our, yeah, our shot understanding of the universe that is around us, that, you know, reality is real. Uh, we're not Berkeley uh you know uh things things exist chairs exist stuff like that yeah um and and yet right there are things that we know for, about the world of the about the the multiverse of torah through the tool of remez through this 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 mechanism of remez and that actually gives us access to this alternate universe alternate torah universe of remez that actually does have correspondences for our universe, which also has a remez dimension. I I I must stress how cool of an idea this is <laughs> to our to our listeners. I like first of all, it's a like historical justification for the rush bomb, in that yeah, I'm interpreting the shot universe as it is, and I'm not going against Chazal. That's just from a remez universe, and also the idea of it corresponding to like different aspects. It's very cool. I want you to go on, but I'm just like, it's very cool. Re it's, listeners should know it. It's very. It's cool. awesome. I, I don't know. I'm I'm like so tickled and struck by yeah. that. So to say more, one more piece about the theory, and then we'll jump into the examples that he offers. Um, is that every realm, right, or every universe is a reality unto itself? Hmm. Right. Each is a different dimension, and therefore. The revelations, right? What we can know about it, the giluim, are also unique unto themselves. Dafka. <laughs> yeah. This word dafka, meaning like you can't access that world of remez unless you use or unless you understand it via remez dafka. Yeah. So you need. I feel like using the word hermeneutic here, but uh, I I swore I would I'm never down. be that person. Uh, I'm down. <laughs> I swore a solemn oath, sir. Uh, but you got to relate to it in its own language, is right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. So here and here are the examples that he offers to sort of flesh flesh this out a little bit. Um, and and two of them um, come from the Maharal, I believe, at least yeah. the first. Um, so the first one he offers is about um, Bat Paro, um, who, mm -hmm. um, when she and her maidens um, are are sort of walking, walking, walking around, <laughs> around, uh, by, by the river, let's say, right? right? The, the question, the question is, like, why, how did, why did she pick up Moshe? Right? What was the, what was the, what was the impetus? And actually, um, and this, the, the source for this is the Gvurod Hashem, um, Yud Zayin, um, which is Maharal's commentary on on Pesach and Yitzhak Mitzrayim, um, basically that um, they weren't supposed to. They they were initially opposed to uh, to taking Moshe out of the out of the water, and as a result, died this like heavenly death, Mita El Yona, as uh, some some sort of punishment or consequence. But actually, that changed their mazal. That changed their horoscope, right? And as a result, they were no longer they were no longer opposed to to Moshe. Now, we don't yeah. know that. Yeah, because yeah. that's not what the chat says. That is not there. They do not. There is not a battle between you know heavenly forces. That is in the text. It just <laughs> says she heard a baby crying and was like, "Oh, I should I should probably." There's a baby in the river. That's weird. Let me go get that baby, right? But exactly, Baral seeing this sort of cosmic drama right right and, but the, right so like clearly something happens in this other realm that changes that changes the the force of things and so what he says is like that's not an event that happened in the world of pshat right that happened um somewhere else right yeah but that that changed that changed the pshat reality yeah um and so that's why that's why it's not mentioned in the world of pshat. That's not that's not that's why it's not mentioned in in the pshat. And so, yeah, I'll tell you what this reminds me of. Uh, 
I saw a book on Amazon that had a, such a crazy thesis that I decided to buy it. Uh, that is uh, is claiming that DMT is the mode in which prophecy works. Nice. Uh, and I was just like, ah, I want to see what he has to say. And it was actually interesting. Uh, it was some some of it was good. Some of it was like, eh. but he was claiming that like there is a universe that exists within ours that is only accessible if we you know uh potentialize uh, no that's not a word uh the the you know chemical the molecule the dmt molecule in our system and then we mm. can see with our eyes and it's like in our brains or whatever and that's what prophecy is so the idea leave aside the drugs uh and he also but but, it, but, a, but a similar way about sort of like a hermeneutic mode and a mode of yeah. reading Right, so you actualize exactly. like that that the drosh molecule. Yeah, that's that's Rafuner's chiddush here is that they're just a, just as the same way that there are different modes of reading, there are different. I wouldn't say layers to reality because he's rejecting that it's like you know stacked on top of each other. Like the 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 allegory like I reach for in my head would be like you know how a negative has you know all these overlapping colors to make like a color picture. But that's mm -hmm. specifically now what he's saying. He's saying that there's something that it's own that is its own thing that has its effects on our world. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And and we're and we're building to it. So then he so he offers so he offers one more example. Um, this is again um from from the midrash, right? Importantly, right? This is from this drash yeah. level. Um, where um it's it's a, a midrash from Shmot Rabba, Shmot Rabba Kaf Gimel, um, that says that. Um, until Shirat Hayam, until until the Song of the Sea, no one had ever said Shira to God. No one had ever done that sort of Shira. Yeah. Um, which I'm guessing um, is because that's the first instance of the word Shir in in Torah. Although I could okay. I could be wrong. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna. I, I, I pretended there for a second that I know Tanakh off the top of my head, and then I realized no, you don't. The listeners, uh, so the, 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 the listeners will take us to task in the comments. Okay, thank so, you. But, so, but then, so the Pachadishchak then brings in another Midrash, this one from Breshit Rabbah Kafbet, which says, no, there's there's a stira there because we have here a, a Midrash that, that Adam Harishon actually said, Mizmor Shirley Yom HaShabbat. And that's a Midrash about a Kain and yeah. Tshuva, etc. Um, and and Adam Harishon gets up and says, Mizmor Shirley Yom HaShabbat. So, there, there's a stira. Um, and so how does how does the Pachet Yitzchak sort of react to that? He says, actually, no stira, because what that the the saying of Shir in in for uh, the Adam Harishon's his offering of Shir didn't happen in the world of Pshat. Yeah. But, uh, I want to let that land for our listeners, right? It's yeah, that there are different worlds and Adam Harishan in some ways was saying Shira in the Drash world. In the Drash dimension. Exactly. Yeah. Drash so dimension. In, right, yeah. In the Pshat dimension, the first occurrence of Shira was at the Yamsuf. And that we yeah. know from all of our tools of Pshat. Yeah. From what we know from our Midrash, right? Again, Breshi Raba, Shmot Raba, all those pieces, right? It may not have happened in Adam Harishan's Pshat dimension, but it did happen in the Drash dimension. Yeah. It's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's like yeah. a that's like a crazy uh, this, way. This one in particular is like a uh, a uh, firmware uh, firmware upgrade for your brain in that like, oh, that is a different understanding of shot and drash. And that makes a lot more sense. Uh like even from a non-mystical or like drashic perspective, ironically. Like <laughs> this is a good way to understand what Madrashim are doing. Like, like this works as a tool of interpretation. I, I'm telling you guys, listeners, because that's what I've been doing for the past 10 years. And it works. But anyway, keep going. Amazing. So here's the Sogya that really ties it all together and also will move us forward in terms of building out sort of how this this really yeah. works. So the Sugya is is referred to um is a Sugya from Tani um and um Tanid Hey, I believe. And it's yeah. a Sugya that's referred to as Yaakov Avinu Lomet. Yaakov, our, our forefather Yaakov did not die. Yeah. 
So here's here's the here's the here's the sukya, just so we just so we have have the yeah, reference. The words are very important here. Yeah. Um, the 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 two uh, from from Chazal were um, Rav Nachman and Rabbi Yitzchak are are sitting down are sitting down to eat, um, and Rav Nachman says, uh, "Teach me something, <laughs> teach teach me Torah," and Rabbi Yitzchak offers him some sort of like quippy retort of like, you're not supposed to talk, you're not supposed to teach Torah while you'll eat, you'll get like food stuck in your throat. So like, sort of like, just a little, a little like playful. I think, I, think it, too. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's very funny. Yeah. Um, and then, so, okay. And after they eat, um, Rabbi Yitzchak sort of like, you know, maybe wipes his mouth and adjusts himself and says like, okay, here's, here's the piece of Torah. Yaakov Avinu lo met. <laughs> Yaakov didn't die. Rabbi Nachman's like, what what do you mean? Like they embalmed him, they buried him. <laughs> like he's, yeah. he's he's dead. And so and Rabbi Yitzchak re- replies, he says, Mikra ani doresh. I'm doing drash. Right? Yeah. Amar, um, and quotes a pasuk um, from Yirmiyahu, which is directed at Yaakov. Right? Don't worry, I'm gonna save you and your children from captivity. And then he says, or and the, the Gemara comments. Mekish hulazaro, making a hekish a comparison between Yaakov and his children. Mazar o bachaim, just as his children are alive. Afhu bachaim, Yaakov too is alive. Yeah, I remember, uh, like my yeshiva. Uh, one of the things in the culture of the yeshiva was a really bad vartara somebody had discovered, where they looked at this gemara, and then the. Uh, what was the uh, the the takeaway? Like that, uh, what you see with your eyes is uh, is a lie, and what the what the rabbanim tell you is true is true. <laughs> and we're like, no, no, that's terrible. That's a terrible idea. Why would you do that? Uh, but he's going to go in a much more interesting direction than that one. Yeah, keep going. So, so what he does here? So, what the pachad Yitzhak then comments um, is he says. The, the reason for the initial confusion of the reason for Rav Nachman's initial confusion was because he thought that Rabbi Yitzchak was talking about the same world. He thought he, thought he was all yeah. talking about Pshat, right? How could he be alive? In how could he be alive? He's dead. In, in the we in the Pshat, he's dead. And that's why Rabbi Yitzchak says Mikra ani Doresh, or sort of that's right. that's the Pachet Yitzchak's gloss on Rabbi Yitzchak, um, it, who's saying. It, Makes perfect sense as an interpretation of this. Uh, Who's yeah. saying, no, I'm not doing shot hermeneutics or explanations or references. I'm do I'm talking about the drash dimension. And that drash dimension, parenthetically, also has a corresponding reality in this world. Yeah. Right. And so in this in this in our universe, but the drash cor- corollary of our universe, Yaakov Avinu did not die. Yep. Yeah, it's it's very cool. Keep going, but because it's, it's going to get cooler. But like, right, and so now, ideas. and so now we're now now we go back to the connection between Yaakov and Eliyahu. We already explained. We we just explained how in the Drash world, Yaakov didn't die, even as he certainly did die in the Pshat world. That that we can hold based on our earlier theory, but. Here's where it gets crazy. As the Pachet Yitzhak lays it out, what happens to Yaakov in the Drash world happens to Eliyahu in the Pshat world. Yaakov doesn't die in this Drash dimension, and Eliyahu, as we know from the Pshat, also doesn't die. He ascends to heaven alive. And just to, yeah. re- to, read, to read out the Hebrew, right? Yaakov avinu b'metziut Yep. Now that's like a totally yeah. new, a new, a new element of this whole thing, because that actually means there's intersections of these universes. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of implied when he says that, like, you know, you have to relate to the Remez world in its own, you know, language. And mm-hmm. Reb is, is hints, right? So you're looking for hints in reality for mm. a different world that exists. Nice. Right? 
So he sort of, I, I think he sort of establishes that early on in like, he's making this explicit. He's going to make it more explicit because uh, yeah. 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 But no, but I think, I think you could, you could have imagined, right. These, these realms exist uh, infinitely and don't touch right. Parallel yeah. planes. <laughs> um, and there's no multiversal travel. Yeah. <laughs> but what's important um, is that there are, so there are real connection between these two realms. They're not completely in parallel, but they don't intersect one-to-one, right? The Yaakov yeah. of Drash doesn't show up um, as himself in Pshat. He shows up as Eliyahu. It intersects in sort of like a different manifestation. Um, yeah. And so the best way I can explain I, this, and I'm, I don't I'm think a, I would I'm, put it as, you know, Yaakov manifests as Eliyahu in Pshat as much as the idea of not live uh, not dying manifests because you still have that you know interesting the, i don't know uh, I, i've learned so, it's, so it's, it's sort of like ago, right, so. like an as an aspect an aspect of yeah of meaning so and, right, and that could be like the thing that ties them together yeah. um that's possible i, I think i think that's that's a, that's a, that's a that's a serious that's a serious reading okay we'll um, see i haven't read this in like 10 years and you've read it recently so we'll see <laughs> no but but yeah so we'll see and i'm 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 certainly open to either way but i to for 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 my own pop culture reference what i think the best way to explain this sort of intersection uh is actually from the movie interstellar okay if, i did if not the... understand that movie but yeah keep going <laughs> so like the the climax the climactic scene of the movie and this is a major spoiler for those a decade behind is that matthew mcconaughey somehow ends up in like this fifth dimensional library and he's trying desperately to communicate um with his daughter um back yeah. on earth and he like touches the books of the library and that has that shows up as like if it flickers the watch hand in jessica chastain's watch and we can link the youtube scene and in, in, yeah, in that the, is a good that is a in good, the episode uh comparison yeah that is I hope it is because I'm I'm not I'm not sure, but I think but just think, sort of yeah. like what someone does, like his shot actions in the drash dimension manifest not as the shot of those actions, but as a sort of drash in the shot world. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really excellent analogy. Yeah, <laughs> so doesn't make me understand Interstellar anymore, but it makes me no, understand Tachanitska a little more. I'll understand Interstellar. And we'll for see. that, like the hundreds of million dollars to like really, they basically did something crazy where they like really drew a black hole and spent, you know, like NASA got involved. Anyway, so yeah, um, so that's the relationship. So like that's a, a, so introducing that new concept into this relationship, which is that um, these 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 dimensions do intersect in some in some way. Um. And this is and this is where he's going to bring in um, that pasuk um, that we that we started with of hine anochi sholeach lachem et Eliyahu hanavi da 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 v'chule v'chule v'heishiv lev avot al banim v'lev banim al avotam. Um, so how do the two halves of this pasuk relate to each other? Um, and he offer and the pachariyitzchak offers this postulate, which is that there is always a roshem. Okay, and this is a word that we could also argue over. I'll offer remnant, residue. Impression. Right? Some sort of, yeah. you know, hint, clue. Uh, think, uh, like, just imagery. Think of if you've ever had, like, a, um, a memory foam mattress. Put your handprint in and you see, you know, what, what that is, I think is. That's what I picture when I uh, hear that term in how he uses it here exactly exactly so in torah and by torah we mean all everything that we've been talking about yeah there's always this roshem of the panim shal drash of this of this uh drash dimension in the pshat in the world of pshat mm -hmm. because as he says every drash has some sort of anchor in the world of pshat that he sort of extrapolates from that um to say you know these these universes do have some some access point one to the yeah. other so just as you know when uh in the example of uh you know the Yaakov of Vinu Lamate 
that it doesn't say that Yaakov didn't die, but you through hints, you could find it and then find that, you know, access point to the realm of Drash. That is how it works in reality. Like, right. There and, are... and, and in our example, right, Eliyahu, but, sorry, but before we get to the reality, meaning Eli, in, in Torah reality, Eliyahu is that Roshem of Yaakov's Drash in the Pshat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I don't remember where he goes with this, but I, I have an idea to suggest once we uh, once we get to the end. OK, well, and, and, so, and so and then so but then he sort of broadens it, bringing it in. And I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned our reality because he's bringing it into into our world in the sense that Eliyahu, the significance of Eliyahu is this um, he's playing out this Yaakov Avinu Lomet function for all of Yaakov's children, meaning he's extending this eternal life, this Yaakov Avinu Lomet, to everyone through the redemption and Triad team, et cetera. Okay. Yeah, this um, is what, what I was going to suggest, but he does go there. Okay. Right. Yeah. Bringing that drash into the pshat. And that's what it means of bringing Banim back to their avot. That's what it means to bring the children back to their parents is sort of like the essence of children living out or fulfilling their parents existences yeah so it's sort of proof like Eliyahu's existence is sort of proof for the idea of not dying uh yeah. in the drash world it, it's the shot analog yeah to to Yaakov's drash of not yeah. dying yeah but with the second with the second move, which is that that's true sort of literarily, right? As the relationship between these two characters. And that's also true collectively, sort of communally, yeah. historically, um, which is that Eliyahu as the harbinger of the redemption of this eternal life is yeah. playing out and and that's and that's on a shot level, right? Because where Tsukhara yeah. team is, is is in the shot. Yeah. Um, in this conception of things. Um he's playing that out. He's playing that drosh out in the shot. Yeah. It's cool. It's very cool. <laughs> We're yeah. really projecting this like aspect of Yaakov Avinu Lomet onto everyone vis-a-vis Triarameteen. Yeah, I suggest to the listener you pause now and just like let your mind go take it where you want and then come back and listen to the rest because it's, right. it's got well, so many ramifications. What we might say is put that in your pipe and smoke it. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, smoking <laughs> is bad for your health though. Uh, don't smoke kids, I guess. I don't know. Why did oh. I do that? How have I, the kids are listening to this. So okay. Uh, yeah. I did I'm, find once like my podcast about uh, my series about uh, biblical commentators. Oh, uh, nice. There was like uh I, I taught fifth grade and I had students who like, I found your podcast online and I'm like, okay, what do you, what do you want me to do about it? And then they came back a week later, like, I listened to your podcast. Aren't you mad? I'm like, no, you learned Torah. What? Right. Got him. Yeah. <laughs> right. like, oh, well, I, so I, so I certainly did not mean to insinuate that children don't listen to this podcast. I mean, you know. Apparently they do when they want to stick it to you in misguided ways. There we uh, go. So okay, and so here, so he, and we're that that that's the big sort of like punch of of this of this of of this Torah, which is like bring together this theory of the, like the multiple dimensions and Yaakov and Eliyahu vis-a-vis the future redemption yeah. and some sort of eternal life, which I think also Derek Agav. From what from what I read of like the secondary literature on Rav Hutner, um, and this I'm getting from someone named Alon Shalev, um, about yeah. like the importance of you know eternal life and like the future redemption. Yes. In in Very Rav Hutner's thought. Very big. As a way uh, of and yeah, I'm curious, you know, the, how the, you understand that. First of all, in the English translations of Pachad uh, Yitzchak by Rav Pinchas Stolper. Uh, they're more valuable for the biographical information at the end than they are for the translation. What I found about the translation was it's actually easier to read it in the Hebrew because sure. that's its <laughs> native language and you're not like translating it back into Hebrew in your head. But anyway, um, 
there was some sort of anecdote about uh, Rafutner like uh, slamming his cane on the floor of the limo that he was being driven in and like uh, death must be abolished. Uh, like uh, Mashiach must come and death must be abolished. Like this was on his mind. It's a big theme. Uh, another big theme. I don't know if you're gonna about to say it or not, but the idea of there is a better future that is revealed in little moments little transcendent moments of and that you have to like grab those transcendent moments that is also this may even be the um intellectual underpinning of that broad idea that's in his uh in his works is that what you you were gonna say or am i adding something well i think the future piece is fascinating because my my i was i was thinking when i was sort of reflecting on this this is actually for me more about the past um and I think it's fascinating. So what, is, to consider. what does what does Eliyahu do? Right. So he right Eliyahu is this future, but just thinking sort of like the ways that, um, right past characters show up in the lives of present characters. Yeah. Um, but I think right to take it to a place of right I future think, future moments showing up in our own. I think my understanding of the Mamer when I read it was that the what what Eliyahu does when he brings the messianic era is bring down the drosh reality into the pshat and that is what triana mesim is and that is what you know everybody will live uh, the abolishment of death is right there's Absolutely. like and this may be uh like the structure that he has for this the appearances of this basic concept all of his other mamarim of there is a transcendent reality that we don't have access to except in hints and that it is the job of the redemption to bring that redemptive reality down to earth which is uh powerful i think it's the way like this was very formative to me in the way that i relate to um religion and reality of like what and this is also in his ideas about the holidays of like you know you mentioned the distart of the nigla and pesach is the nigla and like uh pesach is the revelation of a different reality than the one we had been used to uh so it's just a really interesting fundamental piece that has a lot of different ramifications and a lot of different things you could play with uh, totally. and, um, there are other mamarin that are more fundamental to understanding Rav Hutner. I don't think there's a mamar that is more fundamental to any, to anybody who's doing serious Jewish thinking. Uh, hmm. this is a good one to really let, to build the boxes in your head that are going to, um, you know, to, to figure things out i think this is like a good one for people to learn totally. to, yeah well totally. i that was me monologuing what do you what do you want to say that's that's why we have guests <laughs> no i think i think that was that was very that was very beautifully put of of you know this is this is a language to to yeah undergird this like existential religious mode of yeah. you know here's how i'm here's how i'm interacting with with this reality with the with with you know with the tools at my disposal and the awareness of there's other tools that you can use to think about yourself and the world and yeah time like, right the relationship the relationship of you know yourself to past present and future like the way that i would like the way i picture things in my head when i'm interpreting the world through a religious mindset is that you know there's a world that's in front of me that is you know, full of suffering and evil and, you know, bad things happening in this theodicy. Uh, there's questions about what's going on. And every so often you get a, a glimpse that there's some somebody behind the curtain. And you got to take those moments when you get them. And that's really one of the big things I got from Rav Hutner. Mm -hmm. And I think this mommer was like particularly fundamental for getting that across. That so, there's so it's yeah so it's interesting so i when i i like i I, th I think i think what i like most about it is seeing is also seeing those little signs poke through 
Um, yeah. And to me, reading that as ancestors and reading that as as parents and grandparents and yeah. people we people we love from our past, poke, poking in from the world of Drash, sort of like saying hello. Um, yeah, it's the sort of if if we end here, the sort of neat bookends to you talking about you know uh, your family relationship to this. And then yes, did you do that on purpose? Well, I'll say the first time I ever taught this this Torah in a group setting was actually at my grandmother's yard site, and I think this is this is really this is a very powerful yard site Torah, um, and I encourage yeah. I encourage anyone to take this and teach it in a yard site context, because well and and what and what I shared then and what what I'll share now is I actually think it's it's a much healthier way of thinking about legacy and yeah. relationship to previous generations in the sense that it's not about a one-to-one correlation, right? It's not yeah. about like, they couldn't become a doctor, so I have to become a doctor. Like yeah. that's 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 whole thinking, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Like we live in such different generations. We're not working with the same variables, the sets of choices, the communities, whatever. And so taking taking this, this language of shot and drash in different universes and whatever, yeah. You, I, I feel, I sense in this, uh, I, I feel a certain permission to live out your own shot without worrying about your parents and grandparents' shot. Because they already had a Roshem, right? And the those Roshem, whatever you want to pronounce, uh, translate as, <laughs> are always going to be there. But right. you get to be your own person. That's 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 good. Right, and you yeah. and you, in a sense, are living out their drush. Yeah, right? you are. Like that relationship between Yaakov and Eliyahu, if if you know that that could be that could be the 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 parallel relationship, right? And so you can say like the decisions you make maybe are infused with that sort of energy, that symbolism. What one maybe sort of extreme way I've I've tried to articulate it to myself is like if your ancestors were in your pshat, maybe they would make similar choices, and the choices that maybe in this drash dimension they did make. That's yeah, I think an extreme version of that, but. There's times that I read. Uh, my great great uncle was the monk, was the monk Rebbe who became a Zionist and was disowned. Uh, and sometimes I read his stuff, and I'm just like, our minds work the same. But I was not a Hasidic Rebbe who was in the Holocaust and then was on, you know, put in this situation. But like, there's a scary sort of like I understand how his mind works, but that doesn't make any sense scientifically or genetically. That's just, I get it, right? Yeah. Midrashically. Uh, yeah, midrashically, <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not on our shot reality. Um, okay, I think and it, yeah. Uh make your make your point. So yeah, So well just ahead. just just to really close it out, um, is this issue of the Vav that we started with. Yeah. So the Vav, um, just to say in a sentence, right, is that Roshem, is that hint, that residue, the imprint of um, Eliyahu's shot in Yaakov's drash. Yeah. Um, and Yaakov, the drash Yaakov, holds on to that vav um, yeah. from Eliyahu um, until until the end of time, until the redemption, at which point he will return the vav. Eliyahu can live out his full shot as we yeah. all will. Um, um, and and of course, like in a very beautiful way, the Pachet Yitzchak ends the the Torah with writing out that full pasuk yeah. at Eliyahu Hanavi with Eliyahu written um Ktiv Male in full. Yeah, this one is a neat one in a lot of different and I said when we were talking before the podcast, like it's a neat one, not just it's neat ideas, but it's also uh self-contained and ends in a you know ends in a circle sort of. Uh yeah. Uh this is cool. This is like it's cool you stuff. Don't, you don't think of Torah as sci-fi, and then you read a piece like this, and you're like, "Yeah, this is like sci-fi stuff." Rev Shagar uh, famously was very into science fiction. Oh, okay. I haven't done much Rev Shagar. I, I, but whatever. Let's instead of talking about whether I'm into Rev Shagar or not, we got a beautiful ending over here. Uh, right back where we started talking about like you know relationships between family and ancestors and stuff like that uh this was really good and uh i'd be glad to have you back 
Uh, so but I, I want to get some people uh, with names that begin with other other than A. Uh, <laughs> we got to do that because uh, people are gar- starting to get suspicious that I am a first letter of the alphabet supremacist. Uh, nobody's getting suspicious. I completely made that up. Uh, all right. It was great having you on. I'm going to stop the recording. Cheers. And, Thanks so much. Uh, yeah.